Just by show of hands, has anyone here ever met the Queen? Oh, a few people. Uh, you can include in that a Buckingham Palace garden party. Anyone been to one of those? Or another member of the royal family? Yeah, a few. Okay. I've never met the Queen. Uh, I've never been to a Buckingham Palace garden party. Uh, and the closest that I've ever been to royalty was meeting the Duchess of Norfolk. <laughs> I've told you that story before, haven't I? So I won't tell you again. But if you want to laugh at my expense another time, just come and ask me what happened. And I will say, I'll just say this. I was very scruffy and she was very gracious. Let's leave her at that. Because <laughs> there are good examples of those who have titles and positions of power and authority. Using them for good, it's not all bad. But I think it's really important as we come to think about Jesus the King that we realise, as I'm just going to share with you over the next few minutes, that we're talking about a different kind of king ruling over a different kind of kingdom. That's what Pilate can't really get his head around. But it's so important for us because actually Jesus isn't only the king of the Jews. He's come to be the king of anyone and everyone who will give their life over to him, who will trust their life over to him and follow him, have him as our king. Paul writes about that when he writes to uh, his friend Timothy. And he actually refers to that passage that Margaret's just wrote. He refers to the encounter between Jesus and Pilate. And Paul's encouragement to Timothy, which is just as much an encouragement to us, is this. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But what kind of a king is Jesus? That's the question that we really have to get our heads around to understand who he is and what it means to actually have him as our king. And as I said, the thing is, he's such a different kind of king to the ones that we know, the kings and queens or the, the people with the rulers and authorities. Now, it's worth remembering that when they talk about the king in the Bible, they're the ones that have the real power. Of course, our understanding at the moment in this country, uh, the Queen, God bless her, uh, it, I think she's great and I love her Christian witness that she's been doing more and more over the last few years. But she, of course, doesn't really hold the power in the same way that kings and queens would have once done in this country and still do in some parts of the world and certainly did in the time of Pilate and Jesus. So it's just worth putting ourselves into the culture and context Otherwise, we get all tangled up uh, in the Bible when we just take the context out of it and jump straight to today. We've got to think about that kind of king, and that's the conversation that Pilate and Jesus are having. What does it mean that Jesus has been called the king of the Jews? Well, in verse 33, Pilate summons Jesus and asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? I'm a Jew. Am I a Jew? Pilate replies. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Now, you know the context for this, of course. Jesus is being questioned uh, on that night before he's going to be uh, hung up to die on the cross. He's going back and forth between different people, accusing him, trying to find a way of getting rid of him because the religious authorities were so upset with what he did. And one of the ways they're trying to get that to happen 
is by saying to Pilate, this man Jesus has called himself the king of the Jews. And that was a way to try and get Pilate to act because Pilate was one of those people who was in a sort of middle position of authority, the cliche of the middle management. He had some power and rule over those he'd been set to govern over, but at the same time, he was completely under the authority of the Emperor Tiberius in Rome. So he had to try and rule in a way that kept the good order of the people whilst also keeping the emperor happy as well. And they knew the religious authorities that if they could set Jesus up as a sort of um, insurrection leader, as many others at the time had done, well, that would be a way to get Pilate to act because he'd be terrified that Jesus was going to lead an uprising and it would cause all sorts of problems and his boss in Rome would be upset with him. So that was the way they're trying to get Pilate to act by saying this man claims to be the king of the Jews. But what does Pilate see in front of him? He doesn't see a man carrying a sword. He doesn't see a man who's ridden into the city uh, with an army behind him trying to raise up the crowds to fight. Now instead, even earlier that evening, when Peter drew his sword to fight off the soldiers who'd arrested him, Jesus heals the man and tells Peter to put his sword away. It's not my kind of kingdom, Jesus says. I'm not that kind of king. So Pilate doesn't really know what to do with Jesus. He's told that he's making his claims about himself, but he just doesn't look like the kind of king that he's expecting. He's not wearing a crown, sitting on a throne, or commanding an army. He's got a little small group of followers made up from all different sections of society, just 12 of them. And he seems to both enthrall and upset the people that he meets in equal measure. If he's trying to be a king, in Pilate's eyes, he's not doing a very good job of it. It's hard to execute someone for an uprising when they're telling their followers to put their swords away. Jesus is not the kind of king that Pilate expects. And it's interesting, isn't it, because Jesus actually pushes him on this. He almost teases him. Is that your idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Pilate needed to see the kind of king that Jesus really is. And we need to do the same. A different kind of king. A different kind of ruler. A different kind of authority. A different kind of person to worship and to follow. And I think the best way to do that is to just open a gospel and gradually read through the story of what Jesus is like. It's very, very easy, even as people who might have been reading the Bible for years, to focus on certain aspects of who we think Jesus is, the bits that we kind of that chime with us the most, or the most famous stories. But we've got this wonderful portrait of who Jesus really is, what he's really like, and what he'd really come to do. And they're there for us to be able to open and read. If you want to, you could try this uh, for Advent, alongside your Advent calendar with your little door with a bit of chocolate behind it. There's 24 chapters in Luke's Gospel. Why not try and read a chapter of Luke every day in December and you'll finish the story on Christmas Eve? Just in time for Christmas to remind yourself of the king that was born in the stable, to remind yourself of who he was and why he'd come and the kind of king he is. Because he is a different kind of king. Our understanding of power and authority, unfortunately, can be really badly tainted. Even in the church, 
in Christian circles recently, there's been a number of stories where people are misusing and abusing the power they have and hurting and abusing the people that they have some sort of authority over. It's terribly, terribly wrong and sad. But Jesus is different. He's a different kind of king. It's so important as Christians that our focus of our worship and our following is on him and not on the people that stand, as it were, in between us and God. It's the wonderful thing about what we believe. It is that Jesus enables us to come straight to God ourselves. We don't need to give that power or responsibility to others. He says, just come and call God Father. Come through me, he says. And he's a different kind of king. We need to see who he really is. And the best way of doing that is to read through the gospel. Don't let your picture of what it is to follow a king be corrupted by the way that humans have messed with power and abused it. Instead, come and see the kind of king that Jesus is. And if you need reminding of that, let me just read you this passage from Philippians, which describes Jesus willingly giving up his position of all rule and power in heaven in order to come down and meet us at our worst. Listen to this as a description of the king. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a portrait of the kind of king Jesus is that he would humble himself to that extent for us, for you, for me, because he loves us that much. He's not the kind of king who just wastes his people's life in pointless battles. He's the kind of king who rides into battle for us. He's not a king who demands a groveling servanthood. He's a king who calls you his friend. He's a king who lays down his life that we might have life in him. Now, as I said earlier, I really like the queen from what I know of her. But I'm guessing that if I met her, she probably wouldn't know my name. I'm fairly sure she wouldn't know the number of hairs on my head. And I'm even more sure that she probably wouldn't die for me, as lovely as she is. Well, Jesus is the high king of heaven. His rule will remain and last forever. His kingdom has no end. He is a king who the angels in heaven and glory bow down and worship, cover their eyes because they can't look on his glory. And that king died for me, died for you, died for us all.
He's a different kind of king. And he's a different kind of king ruling over a different kind of kingdom. The exchange with Pilate continues in verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Well, Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love that Pilate has one of those aha moments, like he's just sort of accidentally outfoxed the son of God. Ah, you are a king. Oh, no, wait, hang on. I've misunderstood again. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's not there as Pilate expects to try and conquer or raise up an army to to win a kingdom on earth's terms. He's there to restore what is rightly his. And because he knows that when he's king, his people have life. His his kingdom doesn't come through uh, uprising or elections or conquest. It comes as the people that God has made are lovingly brought back into that right relationship with the God who made them, who who love to have Jesus as their king because they've realised that in following and obeying him is perfect freedom, is what life is all about, is the opportunity to enjoy life in all its fullness and to have life forever when we have him as our king because that is who he is. His kingdom is a kingdom without passports and without borders. It's everywhere that Jesus is rightly worshipped as king. Jesus' kingdom is a different kind of kingdom. It's not geographically limited. It's not chronologically limited. It is everywhere that Jesus has brought light and love and truth back into the hearts of a lost humanity. And it's growing and growing and growing and welcoming more and more and more people in. It's a different kind of kingdom. And he invites us to play our part in it. And that's what I love about following Jesus. Although he's done everything that was needed to bring us back to God, he then says, okay, because I've done that, now you can play your part. There's a role for you in my kingdom. I've told you your master's business. I call you friends. I want you to be involved in the bringing of this kingdom to the world, of bringing light and love and hope and truth and peace and justice. All the values and the, the, the fruit of God's kingdom. He invites us to play our part, to be open to what he's doing through us in order to see others come into this wonderful kingdom and live with him as our king. In Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis puts it like this, and I, lo- I just love this. It captures something of the, of the excitement of following Jesus, the adventure of following Jesus. He says this, enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. In a world that seemed lost and in darkness, the rightful king has landed, not looking like a king as the earth expects, but in the humble form of a servant. Who, through whose death and resurrection light is going to break into the world and the sabotage of sin and evil and death itself is underway. 
The power of the forces of evil and darkness are being broken piece by piece and on the cross they're smashed. Jesus rises again and in him is hope and life forever for God's creation. For all those who just come and put their trust in him. This wonderful picture of light breaking back in. And I love the way that Lewis puts it, of sabotaging those things that have gone wrong with the world in order to restore it and see it in the way that God intended. And he invites us to find our place in that. To take our part in bringing this different kind of kingdom to the world with different values that sees the world differently, that doesn't just buy into the narrative that we hear from those around us who don't believe in God, but says we have hope because we trust that Jesus is king and he's bringing his kingdom and nothing is going to stand in his way. When Jesus says, disciples, give you the keys of the kingdom, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's, it's long been commented that when that, you sort of first hear that, you kind of think about all this sort of danger and darkness closing in and we're just this sort of little band of people in the corner just desperately trying to defend it and clinging on to this promise that, that the gates won't get to us. But when you stop and think about it, you realise the gates are, are defensive. It's not that the powers of darkness are swarming in and closing in. It's that the power of truth and light and love is pushing back, breaking down those gates, breaking down those walls and bringing the good news of Jesus to every part of this world. The devil and evil are not winning, never will be winning, cannot win. Jesus has the victory. And his kingdom, the victory that he brings, is light and love and peace and truth and justice, as I said earlier. A different kind of king ruling over a different kind of kingdom who invites us to play our part in seeing his kingdom come. His will being done on earth just like it is in heaven. After Christmas and the new year, we're going to have a focus on just encouraging and equipping each other to be more confident in being able to share the faith and that hope that we have. We're going to join in with something called Passion for Life. Uh, which has its focus on mission leading up to Easter, but really it's about giving us as followers of Jesus the encouragement and the confidence that in just the normal things we do, we can bring God's kingdom to others. We're going to spend some time, both on Sundays in the home groups, thinking, well, how can we trust Jesus more for those conversations, those little acts of love and kindness? How can we be distinctive in the way that we live in all the different places that God calls us where well, we can show that we belong to a different kind of kingdom and have the joy of living under the freedom of a different kind of king. And I really believe that God is going to use that, not necessarily instantly, but over time, to bring more and more people into this kingdom of life, of love. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's not going to be heavy, it's not going to be pressurised. Actually, I think the very best way that God works it's just through the friendships that we already have. Being distinctive people with a distinctive message about this king who died to give us life and in whom we have this kingdom which will win the final victory. That we will see his kingdom come. He's a different kind of king, ruling over a different kind of kingdom. And he invites us to see him for who he really is and then to follow on that adventure 
of seeing his kingdom come. I'm excited. And I hope you are too. Because it doesn't rest in how good or faithful or brilliant we are. It's all about who he is. And he will use us to bring his kingdom. So let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray for that right now.